No, real quick. No, dude, don't threaten me when we're talking about this stuff. I will fuck you up, Ashton. Don't say one more thing about that. No, just shut your mouth right now, Ashton. I'm warning you. That's your. This is your last warning. Don't talk about me, dude. No, seriously. Oh, All right, Chaz, welcome back to The Grit. So May, happy to be here. May 11th. I'm so happy to be here. Are you really? Yeah. Why? I'm reinvigorated. My, About surfing? Yeah, my passions. What? My passions are, are bubbling forth. First, it was New Jersey, where I first fell in love again with surfing. And then the boardroom show just spiked it. We spiked haven't spoken. my love. Yeah, we haven't spoken since then. We sure haven't. So it went well for you. I mean, did it not go well for you? It went... As well, better than I could have planned, actually. Mm. My whole goal was like, well, actually, I'll kind of back up. Something that we've talked about on this show before, which is I feel like kind of the most interesting conversations in surfing in surfing are happening in the comments section. Sure. And on social media. Not specifically, though. I mean, yes, those places, but more importantly, just between the general public, right? So it used to be trickle down. The magazines would tell you, basically what's cool and what you should places you should go in the world which boards are you know have value and brands would too to an extent those publications and brands don't really have that much power anymore and the power is with the people the power is with the people it totally is that's why i saw it i smelt that i smelt that on the on the cobbled stone of trestles exactly i knew the people this is the time for the people exactly and beach to beach grits credit you guys have embraced that with the public uh comment section you know well and to me like the what made part of what made the boardroom so enjoyable was the fact that uh surf ranch the founders cup event was happening at the same time right and so you have this juxtaposition sort of of what the wsl is trying to do Mm -hmm. and their vision of surfing which you know i don't i don't think this is necessarily their vision of surfing but just so happened that you know you have to pay a ticket to get into the surf ranch uh you have to you know, jump through these kinds of hoops, I feel, where I guess people had to pay tickets to get into boardroom as well. But 10 bucks. Yeah, but it just felt a lot more, I don't know, there was something else. It was the people. That's what it was. I'm high on the on the sweat of the people. Well, and exactly along, to make it even more kind of, dis, uh, you know, different, the Founders Cup, that wave pool, it was so, they're surfing the exact same wave every single time. While they're trying to showcase difference in terms of like nation states, it was unbelievably homogenized yeah i mean there's no two ways about it it was like there wasn't a point of difference between one surfer and the next so i was thrilled to be able to walk around the show and uh and it was on a couple tvs there it was on a tv i'm sure it was on more than this but it was the tvs that it was on sector nine had a uh area and it was on sector nine's tv and then it was on some i think like brazilian wax or something mm. or something else where i saw it anyway i, f- I found that interesting but uh walk like it's funny you, i would have thought this is a sur- surf show right the boardroom is a not only a surf show it's a core surf surf show uh, people are there only correct me if i'm wrong i mean who love surfboards right it's board building yeah That's which is which is it doesn't get any more essential than that like no. nobody nobody was there accidentally um and so the fact that everybody's there who is there is a passionate surfer or, or at least you know, in love with surfing enough to spend a Saturday 
at Del Mar Fairgrounds, you know, looking at boards being made and all that. Yeah. Obviously, these are like real core surf fans. Uh, it seemed like nobody could really be bothered watching. I would have thought that the people would have been just crowding around the television watching Founders Cup. It's something to do. It's something to talk about. The lack of interest. And when people would walk by and see that it was on, it would be a vague kind of puzzled look and a shrug and then most people would just continue on like i was having trouble even finding people to converse about founders cup with there yeah that's funny it's a good point well um so my goal there was like look i have conversations with people on the podcast yourself included let's open up those conversations to the people who are on the message boards in the comment section on social media so let's just do meet and greets the power to empower the people I mean, they're this already empowered. I feel we're just they're I, very I, empowered. They're more they're more knowledgeable than you and I are. That's what I feel. I'm, I'm drafting off of the people at totally, this point. Totally. Like, there is no. Yeah, I am no Brigham Young heading the Mormons into no. Utah. I feel. Yeah, I'm the Mormon at the back of the back of the train there. Well, um, how did it go in terms of interacting with fans? Fantastic. Jeremy. I mean, everybody. Yeah, everybody's it has interesting, interesting things to say. And it's just fun to to talk with people. Right. Like, I mean, I think totally. you can. Or I can. I'm not a super social person necessarily. Like in my life, I'm not going out often. I'm at home in front of the computer more often than not. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, and that it's funny when you think of surfers sort of esoterically, like I think of them obviously as selfish and as Scott Bass, you had the great bumper stickers, surfers are the worst, right? Where we, it's true, except when you get around a pack of surfers, it's pretty fun. I mean, which that's, that's to me what boardroom was. It was... Yeah. Nobody flexing, nobody doing anything. People just no. there who genuinely enjoy surfing and surfboards and kind of the accoutrement around surf culture. Yeah. And yeah, it was, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. I'm really glad. I'm glad you got value out of it. Um, again, I had an idea and I was glad to see that it actually happened. You fully, you and Devin and everybody else fully kind of embraced it and fans showed up and engaged. A lot of fun. Um, how drunk did you get? I didn't. Uh, I think get I, out of here. <laughs> yeah, I had. What did I have? I killed five of your five of your beers, David. I didn't keep track, but I thought. I yeah, I thought you were from you the were. early morning. Yeah, David. David Lee Scales was kind enough. It was. It happened to be on Cinco de Mayo, the boardroom day that I was yeah. there. I forgot that it was Cinco de Mayo until I showed up and thought I better get started drinking. And so David Lee provided uh, the amber Modelos, the Negra Modelos. Which, yeah. Okay, there's confusion in my youth. Yeah. I got, I. that's a beer that I started drinking sure. early. Yep. Did they then introduce a non-Negra version at some point? The fact, the name is Negra Modelo, so I thought all of it was dark. It's not. The name is Modelo, and the light one, of course, is a special, right? And then it's, so it's, so it's, Negra Modelo is that kind of beer, but okay. the name is not Negra Modelo. It is Modelo, that is the Negro, and then Especial is the, okay. is the, Lager. See, I thought at a certain point they backed out of Negra and just started making a regular Modelo. I could be wrong. I mean, I feel the Negra Modelo is a lot of people's gateway drug, much like Newcastle, I think. I think, why are the brown ales? Maybe they're just easy to drink. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, there'd be an option. I Going down to Baja and stuff, it was sure. like there was Tecati, Corona, and those are light and Or Negra Modelo. Or Negra Modelo. And yeah. it's like, I prefer Negra Modelo, more flavor. Yeah. You know? um, so you were not drunk? I wasn't drunk, no. Did, did I seem drunk? I didn't even did, interact with you. Did people comment about no. my drunken behavior? People no. Say, wow. I didn't even get a chance to interact with you. I would just see you going back for buzzing starts. by and you were really, yeah. And you were really friendly with everybody. <laughs> Not that you wouldn't normally be. <laughs> that, by, yeah. the, by the way, what was that interaction with you and Dave Parmenter? 
Oh, it was pretty great. Have I mean, you guys ever met? No, it was the first time ever. You instantly recognized one another, though, as if you've had some exchanges or something. Yeah, no, we, we've got we've had nothing. That was the first time. I was just happy to shake the man's hand. But he recognized you too, right? I don't know. I don't know that he did. I mean, we talked about the Lisa film briefly. Okay. And so we had some specific thing to talk about. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, I don't know. Okay, because yeah. when he walked up, you guys turned to each other and it was like, hey, hey, as if you'd had an email exchange. Oh, yeah, finally. no, no. Nope. Okay. I was just happy. I was just happy to have, to have met him. You had reached out to him about the film, though, right? Trying to get his comments? Nope. Or you didn't? Yeah, okay. didn't want him, to be honest. Okay. I mean, I, I, he's the way he's shown in the film, I think, is perfect. Uh, and it is perfectly through Lisa's eyes at or I guess not even through her eyes, but you know, since Lisa's the storyteller of the film, yeah. it's the relationship from Lisa's perspective sure. is is the only perspective I cared about. Um, I got a email from Florida Film Festival saying you're going to premiere it there. I think so. Yeah, okay. we're, we're I'm still working it out. I gotta I gotta jump over a few hurdles with licensing footage, but uh, yeah, I think it's that'll be the worldwide premiere. I'm excited. Awesome about Florida. The Florida Surf Film Festival seems completely amazing. It's next month, right? Yeah, next month. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it seems like they've done a great job building that thing out. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going down there for sure, and I'm I'm cool. very very excited. Yeah, I've never been to it, um, but they reached out to me a couple months ago, got me involved. I'm going to go to some festival they're doing in November. Okay, yeah. not the June one. I might be I might be doing that one too. Okay, cool. Um, did you get any work done at the boardroom show? Did you get go interview anybody or? I didn't get any work done, but I did. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. Okay. I was, you know, I was thoroughly just taking it in. I was enjoying myself. All right, cool. Uh, dude, I got a couple of gifts for you. Wow. Firstly, a spy water bottle. See, that may be also why I'm happy. I've been wearing my spy happy. I found them again. Oh, I didn't know you lost them. I lost them for a minute, but I found them again. And maybe that's why I'm all so happy and, and high on the sweat of the people. Maybe well, the, high um, on the, oh, a flask. Well, this is just really kind. A flask from Spy. This is going to make me even happier. Spy branded flask. This is really, thank you, Spy. This makes me really, really happy. I know those things go hand in hand. You got to stay hydrated when flasking. Totally. So. Well, I feel I can put my vodka in the flask and my coconut water in the water bottle. Smart. Water bottle here too. And mix on the fly. That is smart. Mm. And that way, if a cop shows up and tries to bust you, he'll immediately go for the flask, find water in there. And then, yeah. Yep. I like it. Uh, Well, so Spy obviously is supporting this show. And they have the happy lens, which lets the good light in, blocks the bad light out. And so we are gifting frames with happy lenses to whoever leaves the grumpiest comment on beachgrid.com. But I'm kind of opening it up. We pulled the comment out of the iTunes review section last week. Let's just open. Let's make the grumpiest comment in surf. This week... My pick comes from outside of beachgrit.com. Um, Let's did go. you did you come up with one or did you come prepared? I didn't come prepared today. That's okay. I've got one that I think you can agree with. Okay, good. By the way, I uh, delivered those shades to the last week's winner. Oh, fantastic. Actually, I think it was the week before, but at any rate, he got a pair of shades. And he was supposed to come by the boardroom show and show them off, but I never saw him. Um, at any rate. This one is a review of Cocaine and Surfing, A Love Story. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. I think Rory Parker needs a pair of happy lenses from Spy. Dude. I totally couldn't agree more. Such a good review. It's a fantastic review. I was really pleased with this review. I, I just I saw it for the first time yesterday. I, I think so it's been good. up since March 5th, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, Where did he get a book? 
Uh, he would have gotten because uh, I'm surprised you didn't get one, to be honest. No. Uh, the publisher did, I think, a pretty thorough media send out like no. of the galleys. That's galley is book language for the for the unfinished book, but that's still bound. So I think galleys got sent out, or I know they did, to a lot of the media. So I'm assuming Stab got their galleys, and Rory took it upon himself to review <laughs> to review Cooking and Surfing, a love story. Well, I've synthesized it, but the juiciest parts are uh, the description of this book makes it seem as though the author is offering an unvarnished view into the seedy cocaine subculture of surfing. He does not. The author spends the rest of the time rehashing apocryphal tales, summarizing things that other people have written, complaining about the surf industry, mentioning the clothes that he wears, and navel-gazing about his career as a surf journalist. If you're a fan of self-indulgent rambling and unsupported claims, you might like this book. I did not. Amazing. Rory Parker. <laughs> I mean, it's hard It's hard to beat, to be honest. It's really, truly hard to beat as a review. Rory, you just won your pair, yourself a pair of spy shades with happy lenses. Listeners can get a pair on spyoptic.com if they use the promo code PODCAST. Spy will directly support this show, and then we'll also give you a free T-shirt. But you got to actually add the T-shirt into the cart, and then when you use the promo code PODCAST, it'll zero out the T-shirt, and you'll get it for free. Um, thanks, Spy, and thanks, Rory. And thanks, Rory. That was a really good, a really good poll. I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't come prepared because so good. That, that is completely the deserving, the deserving post. So good. Do you think um, they will? He will expand upon that review, and they will officially review it on Stab. I doubt it. I doubt it. It doesn't okay. seem like that's really Stab's way. Stab's way seems like the passive, aggressive kind of like low down poke, like getting wives and girlfriends to go on comment boards and stuff like that. So this to me seemed kind of a version of that, but you know, I'm happy Roy took the time to, to review and yeah, it's, it's good. Um, it is true. I don't think that they'll review it either, but it's kind of, I don't know, schmarmy that they then go on to other forms sure, but that's, and sling, but yeah, that's them. I mean, I, I feel yeah. that's what, that's what the people at stab do. Yeah. So great. Well, uh, I think we actually direct a lot of traffic towards Stab sure by do. vilifying them. Not even vilifying no, them. No. You vilify them, but just by talking about sure, them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, I have no problem with people going and exploring Stab or the Inertia or everywhere else. To me, that's exactly what people should be doing. Good. Well, what do you want to talk about? We've got tons of wave pool conversation, I mean, lots we, of WSL stuff going on. We've got WSL. We've got wave pool. We've got... Um, the new wave pool in Waco. I know those. So, I mean, the way to kind of have that conversation, I think is you, you almost can't discuss the wave pool in Waco without comparing it to surf ranch. Um, the historic founders cup, they were calling it historic before the event. I'm not sure it'll be historic in hindsight or looking back on it because it's, it won't be any more historic. I don't think than the first one they did there. Right. Because there was right. There was the no future classic. Yeah. The future classic. Cause there was no points given or, I mean, I, I guess if it's the first of many founders cups, if every year they do a founders cup and battle nation to nation, then I guess theoretically it's historic. Well, we obviously were at the boardroom show, so we weren't watching it, but um, did you kind of recap and watch it afterwards? I watched, I watched a bit actually at the boardroom show. Uh, I watched a tiny bit, back home it was really hard to watch i found uh the i felt the of course the lags between wave is an expected thing and something you're used to in ocean surfing but i found it totally unnecessary for some reason to watch the downtime between waves like if you can mechanically create these things why are you making me sit through four minutes and of course i know you know the the nature of the wave that has to dissipate and the water has to flatten out and all that kind of stuff but it it just seemed like it seemed like a real hokey crappy version of a future thing right like it seemed like 
you know, maybe when the Model T or the Wright Brothers first airplane came cruising in, you think, yeah, that's great. I see that it's, you know, I guess the future, but why does that plane fly only 50 feet and 10 feet off the ground kind of thing? That's the way it felt to me. It felt like the first, the first version of something we're going to see a lot more of yeah. uh, that was not at all dialed in. Yeah. It, it's weird that it already feels antiquated. Yeah. It felt, it felt, it felt, I thought it felt silly more than anything else. Well, the um, BSR cable park wave pool in Waco, I think expedited that process. Do you know what BSR stands for? No. Back ski ranch, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, barefoot ski ranch. Right, right. Barefoot right. ski ranch park in Waco. Amazing. The guy who founded it, I heard is a professional or was a professional barefoot skier. Yes. I was aware of that detail. I didn't connect the acronym though. Barefoot Ski Ranch. Um, That's so much better than Surf Ranch. Yeah, it is. I mean, they, sh- they shouldn't call it Cable Park. They should call it Barefoot Ski Ranch. Totally. Yeah. Completely. Well, seeing that wave really put into perspective, it did exactly what you said. It made Surf Ranch look like, I. my thought when I watched Surf Ranch was like, holy crap, they built the wrong wave. Yeah. Like they built this perfectly groomed you know point break wave which is what we all thought that we wanted and now that we've seen it kind of ad nauseum it it's not exciting at all it's definitely not exciting to watch i thought i thought jen c who she wrote the uh coverage yes surf ranch she was actually at the surf ranch event and wrote our live coverage and also did an amazing piece at men's journal or for men's journal about the event but um uh, one of the titles of her stories was, I guess, Im- imperfection is important, um, which I don't think, I mean, I think we all maybe theoretically knew that imperfection is important, but watching Sir French or watching that event, I think it, she hit the nail on the head yeah. there. You need imperfections in order to, yeah. Like when I see Kelly surfing a pipe or whatever, like you don't, you know, you know, it's going to barrel. I mean, I guess, but you don't know kind of what's going to happen after that, uh, which the, there's a lot more excitement in the, those, I guess, not knowing what's going to happen than I, I previously thought. That is 100% what is exciting about surfing is the not knowing. Yeah. That was what was so exciting about Andy Irons. You know, as a surfer was that kind of unpredictability. And the problem is they're like, their goal was let's create a perfect barreling kind of right hand or point break. The problem is, you know, you're going to make the barrel. So nowhere in surfing, if you ever get barreled in a WCT event where first of all, you have to stall to get into it. And secondly, you know, you're going to make, you know, the surfer is going to make it. It doesn't get a high score. It gets a very low score. The barrels that get highly scored are ones that you do not think they're going to make. Secondly, that you have to pump through that you're behind a section on. I understand why the commentators are kind of hyping it while they're watching it, but it's, a joke to hear the commentator sitting there going, Oh, they pulled into the tube yeah. counting down the seconds. Like, Oh, and then they made it out of the tube. It's like, uh, the, the people who didn't make it out, I, I felt more shocked and embarrassed for them than I felt thrill at anybody making it. It seems like the expectation is you can get as barreled as you, as long as you want on that thing. Especially if you're pro surfer, if you're pro surfer, you better be getting barreled yes. start to finish on that thing. If you dig a rail or if you go over the falls, then that's, totally embarrassing for you. It's not like, Oh wow, you were super deep anyway. And what, what a feat of strength. I thought it, I thought, yeah, just the, the way people were writing it too. I mean, did you see anything interesting? Did you see one interesting thing? Dude, it was safety surfing at its worst, but I, but I think that's the only way you can surf the pool. Yeah, I I agree. It's not a high performance way. No, you can't surf it another way. You're seeing QS quality snaps. I mean, throughout the entire event, John John's air 
was gnarly. That inverted one, like that was one air that I thought was really impressive. Jordy's alley-oop, even Felipe's 10, it was very good, obviously, but it wasn't exciting. You know, it wasn't going into the event. I thought we were going to see more than that. If that was the pinnacle, I was very disappointed. I mean, that's the thing too. And and I guess I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that there may be, uh, they can crank that wave up and get it a lot bigger or, you know, throw more variation at it. I think though, as the Waco pool, the, barefoot ski ranch pool dropped that day um all of a sudden you saw this massive amount of variation right where i don't know that the i don't think that the barefoot ski ranch wave is better than surf ranch right surf ranch i think is clearly a better wave as far as waves go um but the bsr one has variety and you can surf a lot more i mean the fact that it's open to the public i think theoretically now right yeah. Open to the public for either a hundred bucks or 60 bucks. Seems like a 60 bucks an hour, hundred bucks all day or something like so, that. Some like smoking deal seems. Yeah. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a doorbuster deal, but, uh, and you don't have it to yourself though either. Sure. You don't, yeah. but, but it's the way those waves come in. Cause they come in in sets, right? Yeah. That's the way it seemed. So, well, yeah. the issue I think with the actual competition side of the wave, the surf ranch is nobody wanted to fall. Like yeah. we were seeing safety surfing and it's because you and I experienced it by I mean, surfing there. It's like, here's your two opportunities. If you fall, you're screwed. Right. Yeah. So therefore, I'm just going to safety surf to yeah. a seven. So I'm going to pull into the barrel when it barrels, and I'm going to do these QS snaps and hopefully go for an air that I, you know. I'll, I'll tell you what. You know what You know what Surf Ranch really did for me? <laughs> Not that I ever uh, had the super tiny crouchy barrel on a pedestal, but I can't stand seeing it now. I can't stand looking at people folded into pretzels yeah. getting into that barrel. It's so... I would way prefer to see somebody surfing that way without getting barreled, to be honest. Especially when you have to stall to get into it. Yep. And number two, you know you're going to make it. Yep. It's just, I think their attempt originally with this whole grand scheme was to commodify the barrel. The time this, in the barrel, the, the counter, the but, time yeah, counter. This thing that is super elusive in nature and scarce we're going to commodify it. And now that they've done it, they've rendered it valueless. Unless, unless, and, and it would still be valueless, but uh, yeah, like if it was a stand-up tube or something, I mean, then if you could just sit in a stand-up tube, I guess it would be Flowrider, right? Like how many Flowrider yeah, clips exactly. have you seen where a guy's just parked in the tube? Just, it's not even, <laughs> no, I don't even watch it. No, of course not. Who, but we've who almost would? stopped watching the Surf Ranch Barrel too. I mean, that's what I, I wonder, unless there's, again, the there was an error that I saw, I posted it on my Instagram uh, from the BSR, where who was it that went and Seth Moniz? Seth Moniz, yeah, did a did a giant, you know, inverted alley oop backflip, backflip, exactly. Yeah. Where that that's the kind of stuff. It's the I think the future of wave pool. What's going to be interesting to watch is aerial variation. Uh, when you can create these ramps and have these surfers, it, it'll be fun to watch. I think like when Toats first were a big thing, right? And you saw you know like the Santa Cruz boys actually getting covers of yeah. magazines with their with their Toats. Of course, later it became silly. Because it seemed artificial and, you know, obviously who cares? Uh, but I, I feel that there's a, a window of, of let's see how high we can go and how many spins we can do and whatnot in a pool. But to me, the barrel is not, the barrel is great to ride. And if you want to go pay whatever totally. to ride Sir Francis barrel, then I completely understand that even though you have to crouch down and, and whatever, but to watch it, I couldn't, I can't see another person doing a crouchy barrel. I would rather surf Surf Ranch than BSR, but I agree. I would not want to watch Surf Ranch anymore, especially in the competition. But what was exciting about Seth Moniz's flip was it was better than anything we've ever seen in the ocean. Sure. 
Whereas nothing in Surf Ranch has been better than what we've seen in the nope. ocean. Everything at Surf Ranch has been mind-blowingly better than anything we've seen on land. I mean, that yeah. was that was Surf Ranch's claim to fame, right? We, yeah. We put a barrel on the land. Right. But that was the biggest backflip I've ever seen in surfing. Sure. You know, so the X, the... Um, component of spontaneity and excitement and all of that is in play there whereas surf ranch again it's predictable now so i think while i think surf ranch built the wrong wave i think and it took two years to figure it out but now just while they went for perfect barrel no no no, that's not what we want to see gen c identified it it's like you want to see unexpected you want to see explosive spontaneous spontaneity and that's what seth highlighted with that so i'm gonna hold i'm still even though i am obviously and clearly very anti-pool i'm still gonna hold out one thread of hope of of that when it's when employed in a wsl event like not a specialty event not this world on world thing but when there's man on man heats that maybe something's gonna be better about it for competition but i don't know what that would be since i i feel we've already seen We've definitely already seen the competitive ceiling, or at least of the of the surf ranch as it exists today, which is snap, 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 barrel, done. QS snap, by Q, the way. Yeah, it's not a good snap. It's not right. a full, because you can't, I mean, not the, no fault of the surface. That's not what the wave is built for is right. like heavy snaps. Now we do know Kelly's pool, they can program in, you know, 20 plus different styles well, of wave. And we've heard that a lot, but I haven't seen any other than... We've cr- seen little bits of variation. You've seen a wave that barrels longer or a wave that crumbles more, but it's only in the variation of the barrel, like right. more or less. I mean, it's not like one that stacks up where, oh man, you got this whole racing wall in front of you. Right. Like the shoulder's always the same. Uh, the wave is always breaking in the same spot. It's just, how is it breaking? Is it right. is it more crumbl- crumbly or less crumbly? The issue again, is trying to make it a competitive environment. And that is, I think, the business model, right? Is like, well, partially that, but let's do it at the Olympics. Let's do events kind of all over the world and then we'll open it up to the public. I mean, the the thing is though, too, I think, of course, I think the competition part is, and it's what they have, right? Like uh, the BSR park or whatever, anybody could go do or Waco, I mean, I'm sorry, or uh, the Austin pool or Wave Garden and anybody could go have a, a contest at your pool. But WSL for Surf Ranch at least has exclusive rights to all the you know all the WSL surfers the surfers you more or less want to see, um, but I don't even know. I mean that's the thing. If you can go surf the BSR Park for a hundred bucks a day or three hours or whatever it is or sixty bucks, then it seems like the price point you can still get barreled there in, the, yeah. uh, in a micro barrel. You can still you know you can do the same things more or less at the Surf Ranch, just not as long. Um, I have no idea how Surf Ranch is going to price it unless they're yeah. unless they're saying, "Hey, yeah, sure, sure, you can go buy a pair of, you know, Keds sneakers, or you can pu- buy a pair of Gucci sneakers." Right? Gucci's cost four hundred bucks. The Keds cost fifteen bucks. Both are sneakers, right. and maybe that's maybe they're going to say the WSL's whole model will be the Surf Ranch is the premier wave, even there, though I, I think it's it's arguable that it is not. I I mean. There's plenty of people who would pay the $10,000 a day premium just to surf it by themselves, you know, whereas like, I don't know, you could probably rent out BSR too. I mean, I I I, I guarantee if you brought $10,000, you would have the whole thing rented out for probably a week. What I love about BSR is it highlights, um, there's always somebody richer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like you, I know you probably hang out in affluent circles occasionally and it's like, as soon as you get comfortable in your own environment of like, oh yeah, so and so makes, 
you know, whatever it is, a quarter of a million bucks a year, that's a huge amount of money. And you step up to the next circle where it's like, oh no, that's Nothing. cute. Yeah. You know, totally. that's, that's really cute. But so that's, I think what happened here is like, we could never imagine somebody other than Kelly Slater, who, for whom surfing is the most important thing, going through finding investors and putting all this expense into making a wave. Who else in the world would even want to do that? Only Kelly would. And so this is kind of the top level. And once he does it, you got to figure out a business model for how to recoup all that investment. Some other rich dude in Texas was like, no, 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 I'm going to buy a ton of land build the pool as an afterthought because he built the barefoot ski thing and the lazy river and these giant slides all just for the fun of it. Then he goes, Oh, well I should probably build a wave pool too, just because that's what people are doing and then builds one. And because it's an afterthought and because it's not a business, it just be what it is. Yeah. Just like, Oh no, I'll just do it for fun. This is my backyard pool. And then I'll just, yeah, 60 bucks an hour. That sounds fair. The college kids, they can afford that. And then it and then it almost nullifies Kelly's entire business plan, you know? I would really like to see the the BSR, the American Wave Machines wave, like what the what the capability of that wave is versus I think we have a good idea now, of course, having surfed it and whatnot, but having seen it all too for so long, we all have a good idea of what Kelly's pool is capable of. Where I have no idea what that you know, that BSR thing might be a total freak show. It might be a fun wedge that you can, you know, uh, launch off because the barrel didn't really look like it was, I mean, you could get barreled, but you I get guess backdoor little wedges, which yeah. is sick. It's fine. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But I think what else is, what else this guy from BSR has demonstrated is he's not afraid to just throw money at something sure. and make it. So I think even regardless of what this current pool can do, who's to say he doesn't just build another pool next door that is based on Kelly's technology and better again. I mean, and that's what I think too. Like the like the Model T or the Wright Brothers airplane. Yeah. Like wave pools are clearly here to stay, and they seem to be in a period of like really heightened. You know, more than just one person is willing to throw money in and try to make these things better. And so I think the iteration that we saw at Surf Ranch would be like Henry Ford rolling a Model T off, where it's super sick. But you know, five years later, you have proper proper things. Do you think it'll have the um, staying power of the automobile? I think wave pools uh, won't. No, I don't either. I mean, definitely not of the automobile. I just, I don't know how many people. Again, I think it's the it's the question that we ask regularly: How many core surfers are there in the world? Right? Like, how many people like would you know actually pay money to go surf a good wave as opposed to oh legoland has a wave pool too right like that's all my yeah. kids want is to be washed back and forth in a you know they, they don't need to surf this thing like that's what i'm curious about is is uh are there enough surfers in the world to make wave pools economically viable and they there totally might be i don't know like clearly wave garden the austin one i think is making money right i don't know yeah who's to say yeah uh would you go to Waco to surf that thing? I wouldn't go out of my way to Waco to surf it, uh, but I will definitely go. I, I think I think I've um, purposed as soon as the shoulder is done and healed that Waco will be my first wave back. Really? I think so. I think it went. I I got knocked out of surfing on a wave pool. I think it's only right to come back in on a wave pool. You're like Mick Fanning going back to J Bay after the shark attack. Exactly. What if you bust your other limb? That's like, it, it, <laughs> rip be, your other arm out. It'd be perfect. <laughs> exactly what i would deserve um i don't think i have i have no interest in going to waco yeah if i was in texas 
would you eating go out, barbecue. Would you go out of your way? I would go there for barbecue and then surf the wave how, pool, but I would not go out of my way. How far out of your way would you go? If you were in Dallas, Dallas, I think is 45 minutes yes. away. I would drive 45 You'd minutes. You'd drive 45 minutes. I would drive two hours. Okay. Two hours is yeah. the limit to yeah. surf the, to surf the Waco pool. Yeah. 60 I, bucks. Yeah. It's like basically free. Yeah. They're paying you to surf it. <laughs> um, I don't, not only am I not convinced that wave pools are going to be the next automobile, I don't know if they'll even be around in 10 years from now. Like just like Kelly Slater's pool is an old, um, what is it? Uh, wakeboard yeah. lake. Is that yeah. or ski lake or whatever ski it lake? That's yeah. what a water skiing lake. Yeah. Cause wakeboards are still around. It was a water ski lake. I think it could be the next water ski lake could be. thing. You know, it's like, it's not even today. The Waco thing is one week old since it hit the internet. I'm already kind of bored of it. Of course. I mean, that's the thing is our, our expectations are such now where it's just the human condition where you're always it just is, looking yeah. for more and better and whatever the, the, I mean, if they're economically viable, they'll be around for sure. I just don't know the energy, the resources and the energy it costs to run those things seems pretty astronomical, right? I mean, you have to pay for the, yeah. whatever, however, however much energy it takes to get that plow through the water and then having access to all that water. Those are two, yeah. you know, fairly substantial investments right there. Um, and yeah, I, if they're economically viable, then I think they'll be around, but I, I don't see them again. I don't see them doing, I don't know. I don't know what the future is. I just think it could be equally as economically viable as their, um, giant slides are sure. and their lazy river and their water park. I don't see it as being anything beyond that. Yep. Well, which is, which puts surf ranch in a precarious position it unless does. they can sell the dream of this is the. Rolls Royce of, you know, surf pools. And this is where you come and pay your $10,000 for the weekend. And, and you get this whole, you know, whatever the experience is, Kelly will be there caddying for you and whatever. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. That might, and now that I think about that, that might be the only economical, sure. economically viable version. Maybe the $60 a day thing isn't viable, but for Lamour, where they're positioned, it's like, if you live in San Francisco and you either got to commit a week to going to Indonesia to get barreled and spending five grand or whatever the price is, or 
you just drive down to Lemoore for the weekend, you can get barreled. Well, I even wonder too, if that's even the decision those like tech people are making, right? Like if you have a bunch of Twitter, Google, Hooli nerds sitting around thinking, oh, we can go get barreled. Oh, and they go and, you know, they were, were never going to go to Indonesia. They go flop around Surf Ranch. They don't get barreled, but they go and come home to their, you know, whatever. Yeah. Cubicleist office spaces and brag about how they surfed at Surf Ranch. Where you'd think you could chew through not only LA, but San Francisco would keep Surf Ranch in business for a couple as, of years. Yeah, for as long as it needs, I would sure. think. I think there would be no end to, you know, wealthy people wanting that ex- or wanting to say they surfed it. Well, um, I'm interested to see how the September event goes in the wave pool. Like you said, the man-on-man competition, getting more than just a couple waves, that I think opens up a lot more. I'm holding, I'm holding the slightest bit of hope that I see something valuable or, yeah. or something at least enjoyable. Because even in, oddly, even in horrible conditions, Rio and whatever, sometimes the horrible events with the most horrible conditions are some of the more fun ones to watch because of, you know, like, I mean... I don't know. What's the guy going to do? How is the guy going to get a 3.8 on a one inch wave? Right. Where sometimes yeah. what those guys can do, what the WSL servers can do in horrible waves always surprises and, and, you know, pleasantly shocks me. It's a lot more relatable. Totally. Whereas, yeah. but I, if, if what we saw at surf ranch was the ceiling of the, the kind of surfing that's going to happen there. I mean, which I think it may, I mean, I don't know how you get better than a Philippe Toledo in the pool, right? I mean, Philippe Toledo of all the guys on the CT is the, the kid built for that pool or built to make it most exciting. And even he, not that he failed to, but I I wasn't interested in his rides any more than I was in anybody's rides. I think another thing it highlighted for me, which we kind of touched on was just that it, it didn't, um, accentuate anybody's differences it did the opposite. It smashed everybody together into this really narrow performance You're spectrum. Exactly right. And You're it's like there's no difference from Felipe stood out a little bit, a but, tiny bit. Yeah. But, I mean, if if you do an air, then you stand out a little bit. Otherwise, it's just those those hacks to the to the two to the crouchy tube. It was it was it was bad. Yeah. And we got to figure out a way to showcase why the best surfer in the world is the best surfer in the world. Yeah. You know. Um, well, in regard, in relation to the WSL, Margaret River Pro is going to finish at Uluwatu. Very, very unfair, I thought. A strange, a strange decision. Why is that? I mean, what about the people who got kicked out of round one or two of, or whenever? How when do you get kicked out? Mm-hmm. Round two of, they had to go surf. You know, markets. Why don't they just start the whole competition over? I didn't think about that. That's. Re- I mean, it's super. I mean, if I was, if I got knocked out of the early rounds, or if I'd been knocked out of that contest, I would demand you're letting me surf in Uluwatu. There's no way you're changing the venue that much and the wave that much where I got kicked out in this, you know, over here where now it's here. Yeah. I mean, how is the, I don't know how the uh, this is going to be a call today pro dan for me because I don't know how they're justifying that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I guess the way you justify it is the people who earned their way into round three now shouldn't have that taken away from them. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, it's really, it's really messed up. I don't frankly don't know why they just didn't go back to Western Australia. I mean, I know it's a, it's a giant headache and all that, but yeah, come on. I mean, that's where the event was. That's who paid the money for the event. Uh, My other question is, I think I read this on beach grits comments. I can't take credit for it. Uh, 
but it was a good question. Is Western Australia still the title sponsor of Western Australia Tourism still the title sponsor of the Uluwatu event? That's a great question. Like, is it going to be Uluwatu the, brought to you by Western Australia and a bunch of... The drug visit? aware. Yeah. The drug aware Uluwatu pro. Yeah. Come visit and come visit the beautiful wineries in, you know, Margaret River while you're, while you're spending your time petting kangaroos. Yeah. Have, have you uh, surfed Uluwatu? I have. You have? Yep. What are your thoughts? Uh... I mean, it's got, it's got to be one of the most beautiful waves in the entire world, right? Yeah. Walking through the... Have you surfed it? No. Oh, yeah. Walking through the temple. That's Uluwatu, right? Yeah. The temple. Yeah. So walking through that like cave where the temple is, paddling out, uh, you you know, with the way the cliff and the, t- and the monkey temple and whatnot are positioned above the cliff, it's like, couldn't be better. I don't know why there's not surf competitions there or a WSL competition there all the time, to be honest, but um, it's a fantastic wave. The thing that got me, though, like that... Things like this get me most places I surf, I think, is I paddle out all hyped and, oh, yeah, I'm surfing Uluwatu. And I never, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Maybe we can get some listener guides. I don't know what you're supposed to do with your reef booties. And so I never wear or use reef booties. Uh, but when I was surfing Uluwatu, it was high, you know, plenty high tide, I guess. I paddled out all fine and good and then surf for three hours or whatever and realized then on the way in, uh-oh, the tide is totally drained out. Uh, it was basically dry reef that I was tiptoeing across uncomfortably. So, so what's to do with your reef booties? I have no idea. Uh, so I remember reef booties would have been fun. I mean, I've definitely seen footage of Tom Carroll with him like tucked back into his waistband. Sure, but the, my my reef booties would be good at the bottom of the ocean floor. Yeah, first wave I took if they were tucked back there <laughs> right, for me. Right. When you said you get all hyped, I didn't know you were going to talk about your reef booties. I thought you were going to say you get all hyped because the waves are pumping and you paddle out and it never lives up. Like you don't get oh no, it was, super barreled and then you're disappointed. Yeah, you know? no, it was, it was, if I recall, it was firing pretty good that day. Yeah. And you know, not, uh, I didn't grow up surfing reefs. So anytime yeah. I surf a reef like that, I'll always sit on the side for a little bit. Just like, oh, okay. And the first wave you have where you just see the reef through the so clear scary. water is... Yeah, it's very scary, but very fun. I always I always um, try to go out with super low expectations. It's a lot easier to have fun when your expectations are low. Whenever yeah. I have high expectations, even locally, like the waves are pumping, I never surf good or I never have a fun session. I always have a fun session when it's like piddly and I'm not expecting much, you know? Um, so the one thing, the question I have about Ulu, not having surfed there, but just having watched it in a number of events over the years it seems fickle and that huge tide swing seems to affect the conditions tremendously. So whenever there's been events there, you'll have heats that don't get any waves at all. And then a heat where two guys get tens. Yep. So that I think presents a real issue, which is maybe, I guess why they're keeping the, the casualties of Margaret river off just because they could yeah. theoretically, they could finish the event in two days. Right. I guess so. I mean, they're doing men and women, I think. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not longer, sure. but yeah, they could finish it in a, in a fairly quick window. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm glad that they're actually finishing the Margaret river pro somewhere because when they said, when they canceled the event, they made reference to, Oh, we're going to try to finish it somewhere. I was like, yeah, right. Never That'll never happen. Yeah. So I was actually surprised and we should, I should give them credit for that. Um, and I'm glad to see Ulu. Like, yeah. it, first of all, we don't have, a really good left on tour right now. I mean, Chopu and Pipe, you know, but those are strictly barrels. We need a rippable left somewhere. And Ulu might not be rippable. It's more perfect than it is rippable. But we need lefts on tour. So this is a good move in that direction. I don't know. I don't I don't know how, and of course, I'm sure the surfers 
aren't they unionized? Don't they have a union? They're, some, they're somehow organized, I think. And so I'm sure they had to check off on that this is okay, that this yeah. is, but I still don't know how you justify to the people who, to, right. you know, got kicked out. Like, hey, this was at a, you know, I mean, the waves of Margaret River or around Margaret River, main break in the box and uh, what's the other one they surf there? North Point. North Point. Are, none of them are anywhere close to a like Uluwatu. So, right. yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody declining the invite to surf ulu like everybody's gonna give it a thumbs up you know? of course of course but if i again if i was if i had lost yeah. round one i'd be like wait a second well it also hurts their points you know like john john yeah. is not in a good position right now but the people who made it through are going to gain more points sure, against no. him. i mean john john so, but john john's do you think john john's done yeah are you, are you putting a fork in the john for the year yeah I am. yeah i don't know what else he can do i mean i think like if you get three bad results I don't know that you really have a world title shot at that point, you know. Do you blame Ross? Who do you blame? Um, that's a good question. John is clearly he is not diminished in his talents. He didn't get hurt. There's no secret injury. Yeah, apparently that. I mean, he's been surfing fine. Ross deserves some of the blame. Yep. Ross deserves as much blame as he does credit right. for winning a world title last year. You okay. know. Which John John won one without him the first year, so I guess Ross maybe gets very little of either. <laughs> um, but I think that there's a real. Uh, you're right. So John John's surfing hasn't diminished. It's his ability but, to enforce his competitive strategy that has diminished. Do you think Zeke Lau knocked yeah. John John out for the year? Yeah. You think it's all Zeke? It's think, all Zeke and Snake. You think Zeke and Snake? Yeah. Outmaneuver John for the entire year. It left seemed, him a dried husk. I mean, it was significant at the time, but it seemed like it wouldn't be, you know, the the defining decision of the year. And now, in hindsight, it very well might have been, considering what then happened at Margaret. He couldn't get back on the horse at Margaret. I'm and still, now we're going to Rio. I'm still going to hold out hope that the great John Pizel will shape a magic board that rockets John John on a like winning every single rest of the events. I think the competition is too steep at that top five. Like, I don't see Idolo laying down. I don't see Gabriel laying down. It's gonna be. Are you putting? Are you gonna say? Are you putting Idolo as the title winner? Yes. Idolo's. My money's on Idolo right now. Idolo in eighteen for sure. So that's the thing. If if um, it was one of those years like when Kelly was winning, where there was just really nobody else even in competition. Then John John could win a bunch of these events, but there's too many guys at that level right now. You know, number one um, from a surfing ability standpoint, and then competitively as well. Like Gabriel's competitive strategy is gnarly. So, so Ross better brush up on some competitive strategy in the off season. So I think that snake situation at Bell's really requires them to put their fighting gear on, you know, and not just rely on raw talent. How do you feel about going into Rio? It starts today, doesn't it? That's amazing. They had a lay day today. Oh, they did? Yeah. yeah. The fact that uh, somebody, I think, again, a comment on Beach Grit, said that Rio starts today and not one person is talking about it. Like, I, apparently, none of the surf media was talking about Rio starting. So, yeah. apparently, I don't care because I wasn't talking about it either. Well, you didn't care. You came out of Australia not caring about surfing at all. And then now you're revitalized. I'm, 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 a, I'm a man reborn. Okay. But even about Rio. High uh, pollution, crappy waves. Oh, yeah. I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a real Rio uh, backer. Okay. I've always liked Rio. I think Rio belongs on tour um, because I think that 
uh, yeah, I mean, to me, there's something about the dream tour of balancing best waves in the world with best places in the world. Sure. And Rio is one of the best places in the world. Um, and so not to hold an event there. I, I mean, I think they should have done, to be honest, if the WSL would have come to me and said, okay, reorganize our tour, I would have made it a little more fluid where, uh, I don't know how you do this or how anybody does this, but in a dream scenario where you can go places that are get it, that have swell window, right? You have yeah. a certain amount of theoretical stops on tour uh, and you surf at, you know, say there's, you, you have 15 potentials in the world each year. You surf 10 of them. Uh, you know, when they're good, but I would have left New York on, uh, you know, I think New York and Rio and these places that are, are the kind of best places in the world. Yeah. It's amazing to have an event there. And there's a lot more than just surfing, which is, I mean, again, my whole thing I think is surfing is about more than just surfing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so if you're only sticking it on the best waves, then you're missing the broader component. And to me, Rio is the, is perfect. And WSL frankly should do a way better job of telling the story of Rio, right. Sure. Of, showing, hey, this is not just about, it's not like this is a world-class way. We know that it's not a world-class way, but it is a world-class city and a world-class place. And this is why we like to come to Rio. They, WSL gives you no reason to care about Rio. It's all their fault. I, I agree with your sentiment about best cities in the world or best locations in the world. I'm not convinced Rio is the best, one of the best cities in the world. I mean, sure, right? You think so? But between the Caparina and the Samba and the... <laughs> Brazil as a culture is rich. Sure, Rio looks oh, like a crap hole. I don't like, know with the with the sugarloaf or whatever it's called. That part the, is cool. Yeah, that's Rio with those green mountains, those Dude, crags rising out of the water. Do you remember? I've never been, but it looks you, amazing. Okay, two stories that I vividly remember: Carissa Moore and Connor Coffin walking back from dinner, or the I think it was actually the contest venue. And they saw somebody get shot. Fantastic. At a gas station. Fantastic. Michelle Berez got kidnapped. You can't buy that kind of... I mean, I love that. That's you don't want to buy that. That's what I love about Rio. Like, Rio no, needs to stay forever. That is fantastic. Those storylines, how and how... Like, shame. Shame on the WSL for not uh, chasing those storylines down. They don't want to be associated with any oh, of that. I mean, but that's... They don't want to... I'll tell you what they don't want to be associated with is a good time. WSL <laughs> is is leaving not only my interest. I mean, they could have done a whole mini series about the Michelle, Michelle Perez kidnap situation. We, you Can you believe it. that? Dude? It's amazing. That's what I'm saying is they're leaving the best story, the best stories of the year they're leaving on the ground. And it wasn't this year clearly, but like, that's why. And just think how amazing who's going to get kidnapped this year as your lead up to Rio. I'd be engaged. I'd be on the edge of my seat. I wanted, and if they had any, WSL had any kind of sense, again, they just can't tell story. The we, WSL cannot tell story. We've talked about this a lot, and it's more important now than ever. They need all these kind of um, external kind of shoulder programs to build up all that stuff because they shouldn't tell the story of Michelle Perez being kidnapped, but they should call you and I in and be like, hey, guys, here are the important people. Here's who you need to interview. Go tell the story. It'd be a fantastic. It would be a fantastic. And you could do it you, on, you could do it podcasts. You could do it little mini documentaries. Totally. You could do it. I mean, you could do a thousand different pieces of content around. And again, the WCL doesn't, I mean, shame. If any shame NFLer, if any NFLer was kidnapped, got kidnapped on the weekend that they were playing in an event, you know, TM, every single sports agency across the planet would do 30 stories on it for the next three years. Well, I mean, and you referenced, uh, sorry, with um, the Margaret River event, um, 
the things that make surfing exciting, sharks in the water, the potential of getting eaten, the WSL refuses to even look at those stories, right? They, they try to get rid of them as quick as they can. Right. Where, I mean, the parts surfing is more than just surfing. Yeah. And it's the parts around surfing are as compelling a story and as compelling a storyline as the actual surfers riding the waves. And to me, Founders Cup was the... Uh, prime example is the exact counterpoint of Rio where Rio you have totally. shitty waves and a in a fabulous place with unexpected things around every corner surf ranch you have theoretically perfect wave in a place where nothing is unexpected and there's no adventures around the corner right give me adventure so um do you remember the Michelle Barres story of course yeah can you retell it I only have the, I only had heard it like third hand and and way after the fact because I would have been all over it if yeah. if I would have heard it in real time where it was yeah he had just he you know got I think he got grabbed by some gangsters in one of the one of the uh, favelas or whatever right and then it was his release was negotiated super quickly right no I heard he escaped from the van oh really the and again. I, my memory of it is kind of same as yours, where it's not really sharp. And I, it was, it was way hand. after the fact that I heard. I feel like Michel told the story to somebody, but he gave like vague details. Yep. That's where I heard it. And I don't even remember where that was. But he was leaving dinner. It was at night. And a van just, he was on the street and a van pulled up along the sidewalk. And exactly like you see in the movies, door slides open. They jump on him, throw him in the van. And basically... I think they knew he was a pro surfer, and so they were going to ransom him sure. to make money. And at a red light at some point, or they got stuck in traffic, he basically, he's a big dude. So he kind of fought the guys off, opened the van door, and ran away into Fantastic. the night. So I don't think it was like a, it was professionals, and I don't think that they had a very well thought out plan. Obviously, they ended up stuck in traffic right around the corner. Uh, and Michelle had kind of the strength and the wherewithal to get out of the situation. But he was frightened. He was like, I was scared for my life. Sure. It was the real kidnapping. Sure. You know? But um, how, if you're the WCL, how do you not do a little 30-second commercial where you do a reenactment uh, where yeah. kidnappers come, throw Michelle Perez in a van, and then the screen goes to black, surfing, the yeah. most exciting sport in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a pox. what's crazy is them canceling the Margaret River event because of the threat of a shark. I feel like Rio's a more dangerous place than the shark situation in West Oz. For sure. Infinitely. Uh, fantastically more. But I still I still think they should have finished their event at Rio. Uh, and again... Yeah, Margaret. Uh, I'm sorry, at Margaret yeah. River. And again, for the same reasons, I'm all for Rio. I'm a big Rio fan, not necessarily to watch the competition, but the idea that they're in Rio, that's exactly where they belong. And I've always thought that the surfers who don't go to Rio, Kelly Slater, are giant sissies and... Like really, I think Kelly's perpetual refusal to go to Rio is an awful look for him. I get it. I get that he wants to surf the best waves in the world. I get that Rio is not one of the best waves in the world. I totally understand that. But again, surfing is more than uh, surfing is more than surfing, and he should be in Rio because, like, how are you not how are you not wanting to be in Rio? Maybe I'm just I'm all got for a little it. Brazilian in the blood. No, but, I'm all for the opposite of what you said. Yeah, I'm all for Kelly not going. Not to going? Rio. No, yes. but it's Rio. It's just it's just the WSL has not made you care. No, the, here's here's the equivalent, dude. You're on the brink of your second book being released. Okay, let's Kelly's 20 years into competing. Yep. More than that. Yep. Probably 25 years or so. So let's look 20 years down your career. You've got 10 books and somebody asks you to come do a book signing at a Barnes and Noble in Vista. 
Hell yes. Do you go? Of course I go. You do not go. 100% First of all, I go. Barnes & Noble won't even be in existence then. It'll be like the one remaining store. If there's one Barnes & Noble and there's like eight people there, I am happily there. Yeah. yeah I doubt it. No, for sure. No, for sure. It's the same reason I went, would love going to boardroom, right? Well, like, Yeah, right now you do because you're at your second book. I'm talking 25 sure, years in. But I'm, but I'm saying it, once you lose that, then you then you might as well get out of the game entirely. Like people who get fat and happy with their success and all that. Great. Be fat and happy with your success, success but then just retire, right? Don't yeah. show up anymore. The fun, it's it's the people. That's what I'm telling you. It's this not is about fat and people. happy isn't the equivalent though. Kelly is only motivated by eight foot perfect barrels. Sure. But Kelly better, Kelly should go to Rio and get reacquainted with fun people. He should go dance some samba. He should go drink some caparina. He should go eat some, uh, what's the meat they carve for you called? Oh, Churrasco. Yeah, yeah. He should go eat some at a churrascaria. Yeah. He should go. I'm for that. Feel the people again. And the WSL should show that. And the, not just a travel log, but the WSL should make Rio interesting because the waves at Rio sure as fuck aren't int- interesting. Yeah. But that's not why Rio's interesting. That's not what makes it an interesting stop. So I would love to see Kelly spice it up and go get drunk and like have a night out on the town. I think that would add a lot to his kind of excitement. Um, how much the, fun but, I, would, I would watch that I would watch Kelly's problem, Instagram stories of course but the problem is he knows he can't compete with Idolo and Felipe or even John John in that style of surf nor is he even motivated to do it of course so, so go, then it's so go to Rio and drop out uh, day one and just go party and show or, or party so hard that you then drop out precisely precisely yeah. either way I mean because that city Again, I've never been to Rio, but I'm dying to go. Rio's on like way up top of cities I want to go to. I'm down to go to Brazil, and there's a lot of waves I'd like to surf in Brazil. Rio is definitely far from Are you, are you sure? Are you're thinking of, I think, Brasilia or Sao Paulo. You're thinking of one of the big ones. Rio's the gorgeous one. No, I, no, I know Rio because we see it every year in the contest. Sure, so sure. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying a, it's not on my top 10 lists of places to go in the world. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. What are the top 10? What are the top five? Buenos Aires, okay. Croatia, uh, you can take, Fiji. Take, take Croatia off. Why? It's not that good. I'm into food and wine. Oh, yeah, the, the definitely not that good. Are you kidding me? No. Dude. I've, I've done like a good two weeks in Croatia sailing. Did you do down Dalmatian coast? coast? Yeah. Everybody says it's incredible. That's fine. But there's it's Italy and Greece and everywhere else is way better. Huh. Um, I've done Italy. I haven't done Greece. That's not really that high on the list. Um, what's on your hit list? Rio. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I've really always wanted to go to Joburg, Johannesburg, oh, yeah. South Africa. That's absolutely at the top. Yeah. South um, Africa to surf. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel, and, and for the culture and whatnot too, yeah. like South Africa, I think would be a fantastic time. What are your, uh, top two or three American cities that I have not been that I want to go to? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Montreal, even though I know, know it's not American. I've always really wanted to go to Montreal and for some reason have, I've wanted to eat poutine in yeah. Montreal. Uh, but American cities, um, besides Montreal, it's a funny one. Uh, maybe Detroit. Be interesting. Uh, I'd be curious to go see Detroit. Uh, and then, you know, I've never been to any city outside of an airport in Texas. So maybe yeah. like one of those, I, I would maybe, do Austin. Maybe Waco. Yeah, Waco. Yeah, I would yeah. do Austin. Like, I know it's kind of passe now, sure. but I I want to eat barbecue and just like do it. Some sometimes when I'm watching TV, baseball games and whatnot, I'll look at cities like Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or whatever, and think, you know, what if you were just like really locked into one of those kind of forgotten Rust Belty cities? But it's still like a city. You still have 
major sports teams and good yeah. restaurants, would your life be pretty good? I mean, are you just like, are you happy in Pittsburgh? Yes. Yeah. I think so. I question that all the time. Or Cleveland? Like, what if you lived in Cleveland? Would you be like, yeah, kind of hyped? Would you be like, I got to I think see. you've accepted. Yeah, I think you would be. Uh, so the question is, you and I have all of the options in the world. We live in Southern California. We can go anywhere from here. Easily. It's just, but you have too many options. Therefore, it's like um, George Clooney. And he's a playboy. He's yep. got all the money in the world. He could bang any chick he wants. It open doors everywhere he goes. He can go to Dubai and get the royal treatment, go anywhere in the world. So why would you ever settle down? Yeah. And ultimately he has, so maybe it's not the best analogy. Or some random couple in the middle of, let's say, um, you know, the outback or something who have known each other since they were kids. And so they're childhood sweethearts and they stay together forever and they've been together 50 years and they're in their 70s looking at each other happy as they could possibly be. Not because that person is the best match for them in the world, but because they don't know anything else and they didn't know they could have anything else. Who's happier, Clooney or those people? Oh, those people. I think so too. Those people. But I think Clooney is, I think Clooney was smart to settle down because I think there's something to like being a playboy forever. I think ages super poorly. I think it looks. I think it looks bad eventually, and it also feels bad. I would imagine, even like Jack Nicholson and stuff, right? Like yeah. Jack Nicholson never settled down per se, but he, like being a playboy, I think seems like uh, would get tiring, and seems like it. I mean, you know, even Hugh Hefner at the end, like it's it's just kind of sitting. Not when he's like ninety, but even Hugh Hefner at like seventy five when he's in his pajamas, like still totally you know, doing his thing where it's like, okay, I've seen this enough where it'd just be boring. Right. To me, that's, he would be as bored as the, the Outback Sweethearts. Or now to kind of mix the metaphor even more, the Cleveland couple that we're talking about, there's good chance they're equally bored too. Sure. So the, the Cleveland couple, I wonder, unless they just think, you know, look at they've, they're, like you said, they're totally at peace with where they live. They have, you know, some sports teams, some restaurants, they have their walks, their parks, weather's pretty, shitty a lot but that's you know pretty fun too and yeah if they're just happy in cleveland and if you and i i wonder i think at this point in my life i think i could be happy anywhere to be honest i don't think sure any any kind of uh bigger city or even country somewhere but yeah anywhere i think i'd be more happy away from the city the older i get yeah you know the city has a lot less appeal to me just Friday nights at Chili's, oh, same yeah. routine every every week. Just slamming cold Stellas and chili cheese fries. There, there is an appeal to uh, routine for sure. Yeah. Not having to, you know, I don't know, think outside the box and be yep. creative and always deliver. And I don't know, Chaz went down a rabbit hole there. Um, sure did. One of the things I wanted to talk about in regard to the WSL was the letter they sent out to their athletes going into the Founders Cup. Basically, oh, yeah. um, no implied sponsor association fascist. at Surf Ranch. A fascist letter. Where'd you get this letter? Who leaked this? I can't say, but it was, it. it's a good leak. Yeah. It was direct, directly from the WCL to someone, to me. Okay. So they said, dear athletes, we're extremely excited for the Founders Cup of Surfing and stoked that our athletes are spending time at Surf Ranch. We would like to remind you to please respect the space as a training center and venue, which includes avoiding any brand endorsements that imply an association with Surf Ranch, including on social media. When on the property, please do not endorse products. This includes, for example, products placed in front of the wave, within the locker room, etc. You are, of course, allowed to post footage of your performances and rides at Surf Ranch and tag your sponsors while doing so. We respect and encourage that you have endorsement deals 
and have prominent social media presences, but ask that you avoid implying Surf Ranch is part of such deals. Absolutely fascist. Is it? Top to bottom. Oh, completely. It's top to bottom fascism. It is a heavy, heavy handed, uh, yeah, awful fascist. But the surfer should have risen up and said, absolutely not. I mean, WSL. they're not saying rip stickers off your board. I mean, but the, basically, they're, they're, that's where it's, they're saying we own everything inside of Surf Ranch. You're here. Uh, you know, we don't own you, maybe. But we, I mean, and to me, they, this is the shot across the bow, right? This is the beginning of we control everything you see here. So don't be going and pushing your sponsors somewhere to make it look like there's an association because we want to be selling that association. Correct. Which to me is straight up awful uh, on multiple levels. One of primarily is which half of these brands, as, as much as we like to shit on the brands and as, as poorly as the brands do from time to time and, you know, the surf industry, ha ha ha, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, these brands are the ones who, you know, professional surfing, the tour as it exists today is built on the backs of the brands. It's the Quicksilvers and Billabongs and Rip Curls and, you know, whoever else who paid the money for all those years to bring professional surfing. And, you know, obviously it was with a marketing aim. They wanted to get their brand name out there. But I think for a lot of those brands too, it was just purely for the love of surfing. They couldn't imagine not you know, I don't think Quicksilver looked at their bottom line every year and thought, oh yeah, you know, this is a this is a good marketing expense. I'm sure they thought, oh man, we have to spend four million dollars to put on these events, but that's what we have to do because professional yeah. surfing is important to the DNA of surfing. Yeah. And to for the WCL now to come in and to say, okay, we're, we're basically starting over. Uh, we're taking the work that you all did, and you you know unless you're going to pay to play here at surf ranch then you're not going to be seen you your brand your logo is going to be you know wiped wiped out furthermore those brands were paying surfers you know to do this this is the this is the repayment the brands get theoretically when finally you know you've sunk a lot of money into the surfer he gets to go to surf ranch for an event uh there's going to be eyes on him you know, finally, there's going to be some theoretical payback for the investment. Yeah. And to tell the brands, no, you can't, I think the brands will say, okay, fine. Where's the value in sponsoring surfers, which is fine, but then surfers won't have sponsorship anymore. So you're, I mean, to me, the WSL is potentially gutting uh, an entire, like the way that, you know, people earn money in this, in this business, silly as it may be. But I don't know why there's not a massive uprising against WSL, which, do you watch Homeland? No. Homeland has a, this season had a character named, I think Brett O'Keefe is his name, where I think he's trying to be, I think it's, he's trying to be a weird version of, uh, uh, what was Trump's Breitbart dude? He's trying to be like that guy. Uh, what was his name? I don't know. The Breitbart, Trump, big guy, son of a bitch. Whatever, Breitbart news guy who's like real, or, or you know, generically he's he's trying to be this right wing radio firebrand, right? Who's fomenting revolution um, in the country from this you know fringe element that actually works, right? In Homeland. Yeah. So I decided, okay, I need to be the Brett O'Keefe of surfing. I think I need to start fomenting revolution against the WSL because this kind of stuff cannot stand and should not stand. And all professional surfers should go in and just laughingly take pictures of all their sponsors lined up in front of the wall and say, surf ranch brought to you by all my sponsors. Like fuck the WSL for that. Well, what about looking at the UFC and the success that they've had where maybe the the WSL is taking a page out of their book where it's like, you're not allowed. Like 
we will pay you millions of dollars per fight if you're a marquee guy so that you don't even need sponsorship. And then every single endorsement deal that happens within this arena comes through us. Perfect. If the WSL wants to pay the surfers a salary and treat, if they want to treat it like a league in that way, where, I mean, again, somebody I've read probably on beach grid again, it's the only thing I read. Uh, Somebody wrote, why in the world is this called a league? Why is it not an association? Because how's, the, how's there a league? Leagues are leagues right. of teams, right? right. Um, but anyhow, like, I guess if the, if the WSL was going to pay, I don't know how, they, how you decide who gets more money because John John would clearly be worth a lot more it, than... It, it's decided by excitement level. Yeah. So, how, so however you do that, if the WSL wanted to do that and say, okay, no more, we want blank boards and you know, blank wetsuits and all that, great, pay them. But to say you can't... Not only are we not going to pay you or, you know, pay you just always as much as you get, which isn't a lot uh, compared to, you know, other professional sports. Um, then, yeah, but you also, we're not going to pay you anymore, but you also can't, you know, give your, shine any spotlight on your sponsors. Asinine. The, the NBA doesn't do that. No, but I think, and to be honest, the uh, UFC still, some of their athletes do have sponsors. It's just not nearly as prominent as it is in surfing sure. and sur- same thing goes with the uh, NBA. But the, it's an interesting business model though, because I think it takes the onus off of, or makes it more exciting. It takes the onus off of like this kind of homogenized style that we're talking about where everybody's starting to surf the same and competing for the same little bit of prize money. It now allows for the excitement of a Conor McGregor or a Mikey Wright or a Mason Ho, where it's like, Look, you don't surf to the criteria, but you're the most exciting guy. So we're going to pay you a premium just to come in and do your exciting thing in our venue for this one event. Because I don't know if those athletes, UFC athletes, get salaries. I don't think they do. They just get paid to fight a fight. Sure, but their their purse is generally decent. More than a salary would be for the entire year. Exactly. I mean, sure. And if the WSL wanted to do that, then great. But but. Out, out of the gate to say, like, to me, it's a bad look already of, like, and I think the fear, or at least my fear of surf franchise, okay, you put a wall and a gate around surfing now, right? And so what else, how else are you going to try to control it? And to me, to send that letter, the only, basically, because what that letter says is the only thing that we want shown in surf franchise is people who are paying to be here, which, like, fuck that. Yeah. I mean, it's still surfing. Well, it has to, they have to do a small step to get to that UFC example that we're talking about. And like, they don't own all the venues. They only yeah. own this one. Well, I mean, the, I mean, I would, again, the revolution that I will, yeah, I will yeah. call for, for yeah, I'm calling for revolution against, against wave pool competition. If that's what it's going to be, if, if wave pool competition is going to be this super scrubbed, you can't bring any, you know, not only your own sponsors, but at some point you scrub personality too. And, you do. and the WSL, I do not trust the WSL at all to tell any interesting stories. They've never proven that they can tell one story well. Do you think the mat- that Madison Square Garden employs this same tactic? When athletes are coming to play a basketball game in Madison Square Garden, does the garden, as the owner of the venue, send out that email Absolutely to their Absolutely not. And that's the thing. I think that's why the NBA is unique, uh, uniquely like way more intelligent than the other sports leagues on, on how they're positioning themselves, especially in the social world, right? Like the parade of athletes coming in, the parade of basketball players coming into the venue is now part of every broadcast because, and the athletes use it as a full on fashion show, right? They have their beats by Dre, this like a lot of them have sponsored stuff, but then a lot of them also are just showcasing whatever clothing they're interested in the time. Right. And the, 
NBA does a fantastic job. Now that's part of the show. The basketball right. players coming to play is part of the show. None of those brands are, I mean, maybe Beats by Dre or whatever it is, but the brands don't have to be associated with the NBA in a, you know, a, a uh, formal way for them to show somebody's amazing outfit. Right. Which, yeah. Fucking Interesting. Um, Rise up. Well, let's use this time to make an assessment of Sophie Goldschmidt as the CEO. I mean, she's been on for maybe a year now. I think maybe. I think we that's enough time for us to kind of give a progress report. Among her list of things that have kind of taken place under her watch, killed Fiji, killed Pipe, canceled Margaret's, uh, instituted a wave pool, there's been a lot of changes and a lot that seem to be great for the league, but not great for surfing in general and yeah. not great for you and I as fans of watching competitive surfing. Yeah. To be honest, you know, I, I was rooting for her, but I, I give her low marks as of right now. I mean, I guess a uh, good honor for really trying to something new. I mean, more of the same old, same old probably wasn't going to cut it for too much longer. But the changes that have been instituted are not changes that I'm particularly fond of. No. I mean, if you would have asked me, if I hadn't really put much thought into it, I would have been like, oh, yeah, she's doing a good job or she seems to be fine. She seems to be likable. Like, she's done a good job at making it a business, you know, which I think is where the ASP and every other incarnation of it has always struggled I just, and it can't survive if it's not a business. I just, I, and I totally understand that. I still don't understand though how nobody at the WSL thinks that, you know, what we're, what's going to really kick us over the line is telling compelling stories. And to me, the Sophie Goldschmidt reign is not as uh, iron fisted as the Paul Speaker reign, but there's no interesting personalities or the WSL is doing nothing to foster any further interest in professional surfing other than technically you know we're going to build a perfect way which to me is the exact opposite thing that they should be doing like right the surfing itself is a fantastic part of the show but the show is bigger than the surfing itself and they've right. for, for them myopically focusing in on it seems like they've got surf ranch in their blood and that's it right every part of the wsl is going to funnel that so you can lose pipe you can lose fiji you can lose anything as long as we can make this surf ranch better and better and better is what they're thinking. Right. And I think that's the, that's the end. That's the death of the WSL because it's not about riding this pr fucking perfect wave. Like I don't, I don't want to see another one of those waves. I will watch one more day of competition, one more round of competition there uh, when they do the um, CT there. But other than that, uh, you know, and I'll hold out some kind of hope that it'll, there's something there to watch. But other than that, if this is it, if this is the future of professional surfing, then a pox on your house too, Sophie Goldschmidt. It's grim. It's Ugly, grim. And I think, I think what it does though is it opens up a real opportunity for a rogue tour. Yeah. The, I, I mean, I would love to see a rogue tour. But again, this is, it's funny. Rogues leagues in general, they have the stink of rogue all, all over them. Like remember the XFL, yeah. NFL version or Arena League or... Uh, they're starting a, it's not a rogue league, I guess, but they're starting a rugby league. I saw a professional rugby league or it is started in San Diego, I think has a team. Their logos look fake. Every part of a new league yeah. just looks fake. Like where I think for better or worse, the WSL is our league. And if, if the entire focus moving forward is perfect wave that we can control, that's what the people want to see. I will tell you, it's not. could be wrong. That's not what the people want to see. It's not. Yeah. I, don't I wonder, I wonder what, uh, 
aside from looky lose, I wonder what the bounce rate of the founders event was of people clicking on seeing a couple waves and clicking right off. Right. right? Which right. that would, that would be fascinating to me. And, and I would love for them to provide that information. If it's right, if they're right, that this is the future, then each day of that event viewership should have grown uh, and people should have stayed around. Right. Where yeah. if I had to put my money on it, I would say people saw two waves and left immediately. Did you talk to anybody who was thrilled with the event? Yeah. My 14 year old nephew, Owen. Oh, really? Yeah. He loved it. Sure. He was there. He went, you know, went with dad. Uh, they live in the uh, central coast. So drove probably, you know, two hours across inland. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I felt that beach grits, uh, coverage was, was very fair, but also all pretty grouchy about surf ranch. Derek tried to, you know, be hyped about it, but I think it was his piece even had, you know, melancholy ringing through it. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, what is this kid who doesn't have any expectations is not told that he's supposed to be bummed out on this thing. What does he think? And he was like, Oh yeah, it was great. It was awesome. You got to watch, I got to watch all my favorite surfers do turns right in front of me. Being there at the venue, I would imagine you'll have a great time no matter what. Um, I'm wondering if there was anybody who watched the event online or on CBS. Great, great question. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm not, I've not talked to somebody who watched it. Oh, okay. Who who had a who? I mean, who? Oh, watched I thought that was online. the end of the sentence. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, who wasn't there? Yeah, who had a fantastic time. No, I talked to a lot of people who watched the event. None of whom said it was exciting. Everybody said it was actually a letdown. Yeah. So um, well, that's the 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 problem. I think part of the problem. I mean, there was many problems, but the over exuberance of the announcers during yeah. the historic founders founders cup like the way they were like shouting about barrels and stuff like that was not the experience people were having at home like i totally see how they could have been caught up in the emotion of the moment being there but they should have one of them chris cote i'm talking to you should have realized halfway through that wait a second this isn't resonating like this isn't super exciting at home so we should tone down the rhetoric just a little bit yeah so at least our tone matches what people are seeing like having them jumping up and down and like you know, the, the hyperbole of those crouch barrels, like, come on, yeah. I'm sitting at home watching a man contort. The, the barrel is the most egregious example of it. That's where it all kind of like, that's the pinnacle of it's a real bummer yeah. of the, of where it went wrong. Um, I have a follow-up before we close out with barrel or nah, we were talking on our last show. I, we haven't recorded in a long time. I feel well, like it's been more than two weeks. No, I think it's just been two. Has it? I think so. It feels so long. Boardroom show wiped me out. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, we talked last time about, oh, by the way, last episode we recorded at Album. Yeah. Right? Fantastic place. Surfrider stopped returning my emails at a certain point. And I think I might have told you at Album, I'm like, dude, I think we might have got ousted without them like wanting to confront us. Wow. Uh, they didn't. Turns out the girl who I had been emailing organizing with simply moved on and there's a new girl in place. So it was a miscommunication, but we almost got broken up with. We almost did for cheating. Turns out we're back at surf rider today, which I should have mentioned at the top of the show. Another fantastic place. Do surf good things in the world doing great things, fighting administration, anti-environmental administration sticker on your car. That's yeah. what you get. Uh, so surfrider.org. Anyway, on our last show, we talked about the Jesse Mendez, Mikey Wright altercation. And I got this email from somebody who um, was like, hey, I saw something. That that fight or altercation reminded me of a fight that I saw at the beach one time. So he gives me this story, which uh, is just fun to listen to. 
He said, several years ago, I was surfing south side of Huntington Beach Pier on a smallish, slowish, high tide morning. One guy, clearly a local, came, he was ripping uh, a lot of waves. He came down the line on a given set wave, and we were all paddling out through the set. A 15 year old who looked like a beginner was also paddling out, and he looked like he really shouldn't have been out at that spot. And he was right in the thick of the crowd, and he was paddling right out in the local's path on the line that he was taking on this wave. The local was flying down the line, and he easily could have gone around the young man. Maybe the sun was in his eyes, or maybe he had dodged one too many kooks, but he basically did his final turn on the wave right over the kid and came down squarely on the unfor- squarely on top of the unfortunate young man. And you could hear the an ensuing crunch of fiberglass and bruised ego. The older local was surfing without a leash despite the heavy crowd and his board went washing all the way to shore. He surfaced quickly and immediately began verbally abusing the young man and splashing him with water with no apparent regard for his safety. He demanded that the kid go to the beach immediately and that he never surf here again. The crowd mostly agreed. This kook had no place in the crowded lineup. As the local swam to the beach to retrieve his board, he continued harassing the youth. The mood turned sour as the entire lineup followed the ensuing battle sure to take place on the sand. The older guy retrieved his board and then approached the younger man at the waterline. Shouts from the water beseeched the older man to show mercy and uh, that the young man had already been taught his lesson. We watched in horror, knowing that he was enraged and that he was on an unstoppable rampage. The older local squared up both guys with their boards under their arm. The older, bigger man continued his verbal assault and began swinging his board and hitting the kid in the same manner that Jesse Mendez was doing to Mikey Wright. Then something happened. The kid snapped. He dropped his board in the sand and let fly in an ineffective combination of left jab, right hook, finishing with a solid haymaker landing upon the old man's chin and knocking him out cold. The entire crowd in the water erupted in cheers. It was as if witnessing David strike down Goliath. The stunned older man kind of wobbled to his feet, and then a crowd of cooler-headed bystanders intervened and momentarily separated them. At this point, the crowd in the water was uh, rowdy and raucous with a mix of cheers and some jeers. The kid was universally lauded and uh, for the stunning upset. The older local, apparently unfazed by the bit of violence, grabbed his board and paddled back out amongst the heckling of his peers, replying only, my mother hit harder than that kid could have. <laughs> so it was the only time I'd ever seen the mood in the lineup eventually, uh, actually elevated following a physical altercation over the surf. And we all enjoyed the spectacle. Everybody simply carried on with their session, laughing about the absurdity of it all. That is an awesome story. Isn't that good? Yeah. Thank you to whoever sent that one. I loved that. Uh, so send emails. You can do it through uh, to Chaz at Chaz at beachgrid.com or hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. I also have that rumor account set up where people can send rumors anonymously. The problem with that is... I'll, I'll tell you, we got stung on that one. We did. I think so. There was a rumor that got sent in that was so juicy. and But since there's no way to corroborate it, I was doing everything I could to try to figure out if the rumor that came in was true. Derek was on it. I mean, both Derek and I probably spent a good 12 hours each trying to hunt uh, leads on this thing. And I still don't know if it's true or not. So did anybody um, say definitively no? 
Nobody said people were being semi. I mean, yeah, people said definitively no, but okay. they, but it was like in the no kind of way, right? Or it could yeah, yeah. could have been true. Like, so super juicy rumor. And again, you have the option when you send these rumors in to leave your contact information if, if or you, not. If you don't want to leave your contact information, but it's a juicy rumor, uh, provide some sort of corroborating, like where you heard it from or how you know, because any kind of help, like you won't get burned at all, but any kind of help in tracking down a rumor yeah. is is valuable. We were unable to <laughs> substantiate this one. And um, even if you leave your contact information, if you ask us to keep your name anonymous and your identity, we will, we'll completely honor it. So um, you still don't have to include it, but please do help us substantiate. Surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you could leave those rumors. Um, you want to close out with Barrel or Not? Let's do it. Oh, I have one more yeah. plea too yeah. to, the, to the listeners. Uh, my dang second book, Cocaine Plus Surfing, comes out um, June 12th. So basically a month, month from today. Uh, and I was talking with the publisher the other day. Um, and I really wanted to get this book to get on the New York Times uh, bestsellers list, not for any narcissistic reason or any reason, not because I think it deserves to be there. I just want in the summer when people are going to be, or the New York times mainstream media is talking about wave pools and training for the Olympics and surfing in the Olympics and all these healthy, wonderful pursuits of surfing and sport. I want in the New York times for the words, cocaine plus surfing, a love story to be bold in there. And I figured the only way to get it in there is get on the New York times bestsellers list. So I asked a uh, publisher how, and she said it, it depends a lot on, or pre-sales are super important. So if you have it in your heart uh, and you want to help get cocaine plus surfing into the New York times, uh, you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever.com. Um, and yeah, pre-order a book pre-order. Uh, why wouldn't you listeners of the show support the endeavor, man? Thank uh, you. is Rory's review accurate? Uh, I think it's funny when I, when I read the review, or, I mean, I just read it for the first time yesterday and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's, there's some accuracy to it. Uh, I think it's the thing about it is to write a review when you have a real personal animus against somebody, but not to state the personal animus to me is like, he should have said, I hate this guy. Uh, this is what, this is what I thought of his book, um, to write it like it's a, because I was just thinking about how, how you could describe like, you know, like a movie, like Pulp Fiction, not that my book is like Pulp Fiction, but you could say, oh yeah, it's like, it's this weird kind of disjointed guy shooting other people. You know, the story doesn't really work together. Or you could give some glowing review about Pulp Fiction. Both would be true. Uh, and so uh, to the point about Rory's review, I'm sure that's, it is a true review for Rory. I don't, that's not how the book feels to me. But let me uh, pick apart a couple of sentences yeah. because uh, I want to believe that I'm not, I don't want to, I'm inclined to believe that his review is true because it's reflective of your engagement with this show. Sometimes, for example, complaining about the surf industry, mentioning the clothes he wears. Of That's exactly what you do on the show. Of course. But what I don't want to believe is the part where it says the description of the book makes it seem as though the author is offering an unvarnished view into the seedy cocaine subculture of surfing he does not i don't do I, you give me an unvarnished view of the seedy subculture i'll tell you this and like i think rory's premise is wrong it's not a seedy subculture like which oh. is what i what i okay. set out to begin with this is surfing right it's so there's no like the whole book or not the whole book but i mean you'll read and you'll see i guess but the like 
it's not this hidden thing, cocaine and surfing. That's why it's a love story. It's lines like very obvious lines at the bathroom at any surf party for people going in to do blow, right? It's people coming in and gibbering in your ear, all sweaty and pinprick pupiled. It's not, if Rory thinks that, uh, I mean, if Rory thinks that cocaine in surfing is part of the seedy underbelly, then Rory is not, has never been around surfing. And this is part of Rory's problem is he's, He's, I think, generally kind of afraid of people and so doesn't like to go out and get into the mix, right? Um, so Rory just flat out doesn't know. It's, that's the whole point is that it's not a CD un, you know, underworld that is surfing. So I give you, I will promise a unvarnished uh, view or at least my unvarnished view of how surfing really is. Okay, good. Then I will read it. I'll pre-order a copy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right, barrel or not. Let's do it. Colts. This is based on Waco, the wave pool talk, all the great docks on. I mean, we talked about. Yeah, um, wild, wild country. Yeah. Fantastic. So cults, barrel or not. You know, oddly enough, I'm reading Under the Banner of Heaven right now, preparing for book number three. I'm oh really excited gosh. about book number three. Have you read Under the Banner of Heaven? No. Oh, fantastic book. So it's about, for those who don't know, about uh, kind of some specific murders um, in the Mormon fundamentalist community from 93 i think um it's an older book but uh yeah traces both mormonism and mormon fundamentalism and you know these murders so it's historical it's modern ish it's fantastic read but uh having being in the middle of that right now i'm not on cults cults are cults are pretty ugly things really I think so. Pretty destructive too. I think generally pretty destructive. I'm, I'm all for a good time. Like the Rajneeshis and all that, you know, they were having fun poisoning salad bars, doing all kinds of fun stuff. Free love. Free love and poison salad bars. But it just seems after a while, it seems like a cult would be funny for two weeks. I think if you're eating at a salad bar, you deserve to be poisoned. Kind of. Uh, and then I think they're great. I'm, I'm barrel for cults. Because they've provided some of the best documentaries I've seen on Netflix. Are you are you thinking you could join a cult? I think I could lead a cult. Mm. I want to be the leader. I you don't want to join. I want to be the leader. Great. You it's know what good, I'm saying? I mean, I think I think you could totally do it. Wealthy, you're the uh, the icon that everybody wants to the free love thing. I don't think the underlings have everybody fawning over them. No, no. But the the main guy does. What, does. What's that one? It was just in the news. Um, some girl celebrity or like she was on a show back in the nineties or two thousands and she joined this cult and then was trying to recruit Emma Watson. And oh really? Some of the, yeah. I didn't read this about this. This was just in the news. I'm excited about reading. I know. This. I don't know why I can't remember any of the details of the name or anything, but I was just like, yeah, that's obviously your this egotistical dude would set all these things up so that everybody is just giving him money and sure. he can bang whoever he wants, you know, like, um, but again, I'm pro because I'm barrel for cults because of the documentaries. I mean, the documentaries Wild, Wild coming Country, out. Oh. Source family was awesome. Oh, well, the guess, Jonestown one was awesome. And if that's the, if that's the standard, then I, again, I'm reading, I mean, I, I guess calling Mormonism a, a cult is rude, but, uh, <laughs> At least Mormon fundamentalism is okay. What about Scientology too. then? Yes, I mean definitely. As as entertainment, I am a hundred percent barrel cults as fascinating, fascinating entertainment all the way. But joining one or being in one is not for me. Seems tiring. I don't want to join one. Yeah, even starting one would be pretty tiring. 
It's a, a lot, lot of work. A lot of work. It's a lot of work. You, feel could turn, like you could turn boardroom into a cult, maybe. We've laid good fr- gr- uh, groundwork sure. for making that leap. The problem is like 99% of our listenership and um, people who come to the boardroom show are dudes. Yeah, that's great, though. Is it? I mean, dude cult? I don't want them there worshiping. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's not that cool. That's a bummer. That's something that'll have to be resolved. Yeah. I loved it. At the boardroom show, Scott addressed that on the mic. Just said there's no women here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While he was commentating, like, the shaping competition, he looked around and he was like, wow, we really need to start marketing this event to more women. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then I actually talked to his wife at some point. She goes, yeah, like, when I was doing ticket sales... I was thinking this is, I don't know why more women aren't here just to pick up on the dudes. These are all athletic, middle-class, good-looking dudes. Wow, that should be a selling point. It should be, right? Come find find your dude. Why would you go go to a bar to pick up a dude when When you you can go to to the boardroom? Ten bucks. Yeah, exactly. It's cheap. All right, so Colts, I'm going full barrel. You're going nah. I'm going nah. All right, driving in your wetsuit, barrel or nah? Oh, a complete nah, even if it's it's two blocks, I think. Big nah. I've done it before. I've regretted it every time I've done it. Me like, too. oh, I'm, I'm close to home. And the second you get in the car and feel the yeast, because you feel it right away. It's not like, oh, I got home and oh, I'm going to stay in my wetsuit and pour a bowl of cereal. Like, I'm so ready to get on my wetsuit as soon as I'm out of the water. But yeah, that little car drive is never worth it. The problem is, oh, so you remember Jerry Seinfeld in his routine back in the 80s, it was the joke about... The nighttime him yeah. fighting with the morning him. And the nighttime him is like, oh, have another drink. Like, eat that extra whatever. And you wake up in the morning and you're just like, nighttime guy screwed me again. Yeah. That's what it is. When you're freezing cold, the last thing you want to do is peel out of your wetsuit and be hit by the wind. And, you know, so you think to yourself, you rationalize that the drive home and then you just jump in the warm shower with your wetsuit on. But the moment you get into the car. It is the moment too. Not It's yeah. not like, oh, a couple miles later and we're good. It is the moment you get into the car. The car ride you hates the outside of the car you. Yep. You know, the fully wetsuited. Um, so the, the one time I might be able to justify it is you're surfing the wrong spot. You, you, you examined it while you were driving and you're like, oh, I should oh, surf here. For sure. You have to then. I mean, you're not getting... because. I will also pause it. You don't get back into a wetsuit. That's the problem. Like once you take it off. So you want to go surf five minutes down the street. So you get back in the wetsuit or get back in the car soaking wet drive. You're not going to put on a cold wetsuit. And you're, you're bummed. You're going to be bummed. You're going to feel bad during that drive. You're going to feel bad surfing. It'll be a wrecked session and a wrecked day. But those, that's your only option. You already made the wrong choice. Yep. Once you made the wrong choice to surf the wrong spot. You should just stay at the wrong spot. You're screwed. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Driving in wetsuit. Nah. Volkswagen buses. Barrel or nah. You know, I have nothing against them personally, but I'm going to say nah, just because they seem like uh, mechanical disasters. seems like you'd always be working on it or tinkering it. Uh, tinkering and a it. death trap. Yeah. Paper thin kind of sheet metal construction with no buffer between you and the car that you're going to hit in front of you. The, the thing is, too, if I want space, like I'll get an old Econoline van or something like that, right? Like there's bigger, heftier vans you can get. Like I'm not a sprinter kind of fella. I would right. get like a 1977 Ford Econoline or something, right? But I don't They don't want space. No. They want that, the lifestyle. They want the lifestyle, but so what? To be slow and to drive slowly and have like some odd room. I don't understand what the to be honest, I don't understand what the appeal. It's a is. lifestyle is what yeah. it is. It's yeah, I I was there was one in the slow lane the other day on the freeway. The semi truck 
was right on its tail yeah. and actually then had to pass it. And I don't think the driver of the Volkswagen wanted that to happen. Like he was going as, as fast, fast as, he as he could go. That's the problem. To be to have a car, because at the end, cars should provide some sort of speed. Yeah. And if you've got nothing, then maybe get another car. Yeah. That's what I say. All right. Volkswagen buses, nah. In a somewhat related barrel or nah, putting stickers on your car. I have one on mine, uh, one sticker, and it's to spot it in a crowd. That's why I have my sticker. Is it a surf sticker? Nope. It is Jackson Hole, Wyoming, it says on it. Okay. Yep. Are you a fan of Jackson Hole, Wyoming? I, I am a fan of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and uh, I had happened to have driven there, and so I was there needing to find my car. Not that not I didn't need to find it there, but realizing, okay, this... I have a new Ur truck and number that blends in with everything else. I better get a sticker on this thing. It's a common truck and a common color. Exactly. Um, putting surf stickers on your car then. You know, I'm going to say barrel. Really? Yeah. I, as a kid, I loved nothing more than surf stickers. And I'm going to say that there's still a place in this world, in this crusty old world for surf stickers. Yeah, barrel. I'm going to get one on my car today. Wow. Okay. In fact, if I have a surf sticker at home, I could go look. I, uh, I'm going nah on stickers on the car. Why? Are you too cool to... I'm way too cool for that. To be dude. seen like a surfer? <laughs> way too cool. Oh, it's so good. I, I have no idea. I, um, I have zero inclination to get a tattoo, zero inclination to put something on my car. Like, I just don't need any identifying factor. I want to be anonymous, kind of, yeah. I think is what it is. Well, I mean, when you start robbing banks, you'll be better off than me. That's... I'll have my sticker tar that's next on my and, list. and my tattoos. <laughs> Um, all right. So it's approved. Chaz deems it approved. I say, yes. I say, get a, get a surf sticker on your car right now. I'm going to, man, that really went differently than I expected. I thought you were going to be <laughs> anti stickers, <laughs> but good to know. All right. And we can always identify your truck. Anybody who sees a truck with the Jackson hole with a Jackson hole sticker knows whose car yep, to keep. That's, that's mine. Um, all right, Chaz, we did good work today. I think so. I think, I think I felt you came in dubious about the quality of the show. Did I? I, I feel you did. I feel you were really pushing a guest I've, yesterday. You were really oh, yeah. like, by hook or crook, bring someone, anyone, is what you were saying. And I was trying to think of who was in town, and I didn't know anyone. And then you kept saying just like anyone. Like, yeah, that's true. I was. Anyone. And then I thought, oh, yeah. David Lee Scales doesn't think we have a lot to talk about. Dude, the boardroom show burned me out, man. I can I understand why. There's a, a So I walked into the boardroom show. I'd heard and knew about the boardroom show uh, and thought it was going to be like, you know, 15 guys around one kind of small shed. Right. It's like a proper, for those who have never been, you definitely go. It is a proper show. I mean, it is yeah. a show. Yeah. It's what it is. I um, had a lot of prep going into it, but then just standing on your feet for two days and talking with people and being on is brutal. The cement that will get you. Yeah. I mean, on like... Sure. I, I yeah. Get, I get emotionally. That too, but, but and, yeah. Standing on a cement floor and That's being true. on emotionally is a, yeah. is a double whammy. But then... So coming out of the event, I was just like, dude, I want to mentally check out. And so therefore, yeah, I didn't want to do any work leading into the show, but, but I did. It didn't, it didn't feel though, maybe, maybe next time, next show, you should get like me, you should get drunk on the sweat of the people, the people. It's not exhausting to be on for the people. The people are your, are your lifeblood. Tru Let the people flow. It's a love hate relationship with the people. Such I, is the crux. I only have a love with the people now. I used to be so crusty. Now it's just only love. See, I feel that way going into Rio, actually. I was thinking about this with the WSL. Like, it's my internet family. 
Yeah. When, the, when those events happen, I'm like, oh, sweet. I get to see Ronnie and whoever else and like all my favorite surfers doing their thing. It feels like this communal experience see? on the internet while I'm sitting on my sofa at home by myself. Extend that to the people. The people, the people want to embrace you. Dude, that's why I got a booth. I mean, I, I, I hear you, but then I, they wear me out. Too. See, I'm older than you too, though. I've been worn you sh- out. You should be more cynical. No, no. I'm, I'm in a rebirth. That's the, the thing. The people are what's going to save us from the from the mighty hand of the WSL. We're going to rise up as right. the people. All right. I like it. With the title, Cocaine and Surfing, hitting the New York Times exactly. bestsellers, and you being the provo- provocateur slinging mud at the WSL. Make surfing shitty again yeah. will be our banner. I'm all for it. We'll get hats printed. All right. Beachgrit.com, surfsplendorpodcast.com, at reports from hell, at surfsplendor. Until next time, Chaz. Get barrel. Get barrel. Someone's gotta help